Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdrafts up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard. I went to bed early last night, so you have to forgive me. Long weekend of writing, just so you guys know. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun to go back and, and kind of recount some of these great baseball weekends we had this year. And so basically how the format of the book is going to work. It's dog pile we're talking about. Brand new one will be out this holiday season. Chronically, Mississippi State's first ever college baseball national championship. But uh, finished up, it was four chapters last week, so we're 12 chapters in. This is going to be about 24 chapters. And uh, nearly through the regular season now, I guess the last one that I put together was uh, the Texas a and I guess it's not, South Carolina series was the last one. So I've got Missouri and Alabama to go, and that'll be the regular season. Then we'll get into Hoover and the postseason play, and there'll be – Basically a chapter for every week of the season, in addition to interviews with some other coaches and uh, college baseball, um, you know, royalty from the Mississippi State family. So we'll, we'll have that out for you. It's been a lot of fun putting all this together. And I'll tell you, there's so many things, too. You go back and you really see the maturation of this team over the course of the season. Early on, you know, many of us were thinking, well, you know, You know, we struggled to take two out of three from Tulane. You know, we had some struggles with Eastern Michigan, who was a team that really wasn't very good. You know, we had a tough tough game against Kent State on Saturday. But there were a lot of doubters. And there there was reasonable doubt about this team at times. And we knew what we had with Rowdy and T.A. But outside of that, we didn't really know. You know, Josh Hatcher was a guy we expected to have a big year. He ended up being a defensive replacement before the end of the year as Luke Hancock takes over at first because we had to have his bat in the lineup. But when you go back and think about these things and you, and you look at each weekend and really just you know, break down the totality of the season, you could see the toughness and resiliency of this squad very early on. So I've enjoyed going back and reliving a lot of those moments. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, it's so easy to pick it apart, right, because we're so acutely aware of our own deficiencies. And you say, you know what? Despite those things, we won a national championship. And I think it goes down to the old truism, too, that, you know, you want to be playing your best baseball at the end of the year. And every move that Chris Lamontis made over the course of the season, kind of figuring out who he could trust in certain situations, you know, came up big for Mississippi State. You know, we never really found a consistent third starter. There were times that, you know, it was Jackson Fristo. You know, we tried to make it Eric Sarantola. And, and I don't want to beat up on Eric Sarantola, but, you know, even when you go back and look at the starts, you know, even in the non-conference, I mean, there was just a lot of inconsistency. There was a lot of control issues. Just never really kind of got on board. And listen, I wish him the absolute best uh, as he moves on, you know, with his professional career. And, and uh, you guys saw that Christian McLeod did sign late 
with the Minnesota Twins and uh, well above slot value at half a million dollars for him. I think slot value was like you know, 380, 390, something like that. So he signs well above slot value. And so all of your guys that were drafted signed just as we expected. What's interesting, too, those of you that have kept up, Kumar Rocker from Vanderbilt, thought by many to be the best right-hander in the college game the last couple of years, did not sign with the New York Mets. Now, some, mainly Vanderbilt people, said, oh, well, he'll go back to Vanderbilt. He's not going back to Vanderbilt. According to a statement made by his agent, Kumar is going to begin his professional career. Now, that may mean that he uh, you know, goes and plays independent ball, maybe goes to Japan, gets some innings in. But at issue was the elbow. You know, and I hate to say that, um, you know, we kind of saw it coming, but I think a lot of us did. And that's not in any way to cast any aspersions at, at Kumar Rocker. Very, very talented guy. He's an absolute goat in many respects. A lot of, a lot of respect for him. And it, I'm really grateful that we won, kind of removed all doubt, you know, beating him in the final but the whole thing that we talked about earlier in the year, you know, guys that throw 100-plus pitches in March have some real difficulties in May and June. And, and you saw that with Rocker. You know, he just wasn't the same pitcher in many respects. And that's not in any way to diminish Mississippi State's victory over him because the guy was still really good. But when you go back and look how Scott Foxhall and Chris Limonis managed the Mississippi State pitching staff – and you look at some of the issues that arose at Ole Miss, the issues that arose at Vanderbilt, is a lot of those guys just didn't have as much in the tank late. While Will, Bet- Will Bednar got better as the year went on, many other people didn't. Now, some could also argue, you know what, Steve Christian McLeod wasn't good in the postseason. That's exactly right. He wasn't good in the postseason. Didn't have a good show in at Hoover. Uh, had a decent start, I guess, against um, – you know, in a regional, I guess against Virginia Commonwealth, we left him in probably a, a couple of hitters too long. Wasn't great against Notre Dame. And then didn't have a good uh, couple outings at Omaha. But here's the thing. While he was mostly ineffective down the stretch, he is still healthy. And so you ask yourself, well, what was really the issue? I think a lot of it, you know, I think once Christian, you know, once people kind of realized him and broke down his tendencies, I think he was a little more predictable. I don't think he had his better stuff later in the year. But, again, he's healthy. It still amazes me to think that we uh, we won a national championship with really only one consistent starting pitcher down the stretch. Now, you could make an argument for Houston Harding, too, but you go back and kind of look at, you know, kind of his path over the course of the season. You know, beginning of the year, he was, you know, he's a non-conference guy. He became a little bit of a spot reliever at times for us, and we kind of piggybacked him some with Jackson Fristo. You, know, you look at Fristo, he was a guy that was really good early on, and I think he just kind of hit the wall mentally, you know, down the stretch. But um, but interesting, too, you, you go back and look a lot. There's a lot of times, too, Christian and Fristo, and I, and I lean really more on Fristo uh, later in the year, is he'd go out there and get a couple of outs, and then we couldn't make a play behind him. And then I think sometimes younger pitchers especially, I know this happens in high school, and I know when I coached high school baseball, it was a lot of this too. It's like there are a lot of guys that, that tend to believe, well, i got to strike everybody out now. I can't depend on my defense. And so they get a, bit, a little bit too fine. They put a little too much pressure on themselves. They don't relax and let the defense make plays for them. And we struggle with that at times too. You guys are well aware. You know, defensively, we were a little bit up and down. But by the end of the year, we had a lot of that figured out. 
But our defense extended some innings. You know, I was thinking about that South Carolina game uh, just yesterday, the Sunday game. You know, we all kind of saw it coming. I mean, really you lose Sunday's game because of how Saturday played out. In that seventh inning, we're rolling. It's 9-3. Bednar leaves with a 9-3 lead. He'd give up a couple home runs too. And listen, I, I got no problem with that either. You know, when you get a big lead, I think State was up 6 nothing at one point. You don't want to be up there walking people. You challenge hitters. You make them swing the bat. You make them work their way on base. And so we did, and sometimes some guys caught up with him. Andrew Eister had a really good weekend against us from South Carolina. Seems like he's been there forever. But we get into that ball game, and the next thing you know, Brandon Smith comes in, and we get a couple outs. You know, we get, well, excuse me. We get a ground, routine ground ball to short. We make a play. We get another routine ground ball to short. Luke Hancock drops the throw. And the next thing you know, we're off to the races, and uh, we give up a home run, a three-run bomb. And part of that, too, is, well, we had two errors in the inning because after the, after the Luke Hancock muff at first, there's another ground ball later in the inning to short. And I don't know if Forsyth just felt like, okay, I've got to be real careful here. Maybe he aimed it a little bit, but we didn't make the play. Then we give up a three-run bomb. Now it's a nine-to-six ball game. And you got to start thinking about using Landon Sims. You know, if, if we make those plays there, it's a 9-3 ball game going to the eighth. You probably just ride Brandon Smith the rest of the way. Well, then we get into it on Sunday. We get into the ninth with a one-run lead. Sims is unavailable. And that's back when everybody was wondering, you know, why can't he pitch more than once on the weekend? And, again, they were kind of managing a little bit and kind of a similar situation. You know, it kind of gets away from us. And the next thing you know, and Brandon Smith actually pitched it really well. But we lose the ball game. And ultimately, that, that costs us, a, you know, probably a second-place finish in the SEC. And I don't know if, if that will have mattered in, in the long term. But as great as the year was, it could have been better. And you say, well, Steve, we won a national championship. What could be better? You know what? You're exactly right. However, there were some ball games, you know, that we, we kind of gave away. And you could argue, too, there's some other ones we want in walk-off fashion, you know, so it kind of balances itself out. But I say that to say this, is you got a lot of guys now that have experienced this and they understand that over the course of the season, you know, it is a marathon rather than a sprint. All those plays matter, but you can't get caught up in a situation where we talk about getting too high or too low because, you know, you're going to play 30 SEC games. And they all count. They all count just as much. You know, and one of the things that I think that Chris Monos has done a great job of doing is not just educating his team, but in many respects educating many of our fans. It's not enough just to win the weekend. When you get a chance to get the sweep, you got to get it. You don't get any bonus points just for winning the weekend. At the end of the 30-game schedule, they're going to add up how many you won, how many you lost, and they're going to rank the SEC. And so that loss to Vanderbilt on Sunday – is no more painful than the loss to South Carolina on Sunday. You don't get any quality points for the win. You know, the RPI handles all that stuff. But over the course of the season, you could see all of a sudden, you know, we began to develop a little bit of a killer instinct. And, yeah, there was some up and down for sure. But that's the case with everybody. I mean, everybody struggles to get production out of the bottom third of their order. Down the stretch, State did. Everybody struggles to find that third pitcher. Down the stretch, they did. Now, in the meantime, you have another guy you lose a little bit. And I think, again, that just speaks to the testament of Scott Foxhall's ability to manage a pitching staff. 
Because at the end of the day, it's not about one or two guys. It's about the totality of the staff. Who's good now? Who's hot now? Who can we trust? And that's what the non-conference does for you. The non-conference in midweek games gives you ability to find out who you can trust. And over the course of the season, we found out Houston Harding was somebody we could trust. Then he ends up pitching you know, in the regional clinching game in the Starkville Regional. He pitches in game three of the Super Regional. And then when State's backs against the wall in Omaha, he's the guy on the mound. I don't know if we had talked about this back in March, if somebody said, hey, listen, guys, Houston Harding's going to be starting for us at Omaha. You probably would have taken it, but you might have scratched your head a little bit and say, for real? We got three unicorns on the mound, man. How in the world does Houston Harding work his way into the, into the lineup? But he did. I wish him the best. Wish he'd been back another year, but uh, everybody's got their own decision to make, and we, we support him and look forward to uh, to cheering for him in the years to come. I'd like to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love going in there. I really do. I absolutely love going in there. And every time I go in there, I always see some familiar faces. You can always go in there, and it doesn't matter what night that I go, there's always some business in there, too. You know, there's some restaurants, you know, there's some ebb and flow with it. You know, it's like, well, it's kind of slow, and they do good on the weekends. I mean, Bulldog Burger Company's a popular place. The kids love it. I love it. You'll love it, too. If you haven't been, let me make sure that you go check them out. Three locations now to serve you right here on University Drive and start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, then Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgewood. That's the new one. A lot of rave reviews about that, too. I've had a lot of people hit me up on Facebook say, hey, Steve, really like this new Bulldog Burger Company. And I've got a lot of friends that say, you know what, Steve, it's a treat for us to go to Starkville and eat there. Now it's, now it's become a regular part of our, our dining rotation. Go have the spring rolls. Find your own burger. Find your own favorites. There's so many great ones to choose from. They, uh, they hit me up yesterday, you know, about that great salad. And I want to remind you guys, too, that the BLT salad is you can get the chicken grilled, too. You know, so if you're a little more health conscious and say, you know what, Steve, I'm kind of staying away from fried foods, you can get that grilled chicken salad, and I think you'll enjoy that. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk football recruiting. It was a busy weekend for me, not just because we're riding, but because we had top dog camp on Friday. A lot to kind of recap about that. And so I think the first thing that I want to talk about is let's we'll talk about the commitments later in the show. Let's talk about kind of who came, who didn't, and what that means for us. Okay, the first thing, the, probably the biggest disappointment, probably the only real disappointment, is Trevion Williams from Capaya didn't come, from, uh, you know, from Crystal Springs there. You know, great defensive line prospect. And there's a couple things that I want to say, because sometimes we get so enamored with this year's class, we don't always have the proper context. Now, Trevion Williams is an explosive player. Now, he is listed as a linebacker, but he, he won't play linebacker. Now, he may be a guy that uh, lines up in a two-point stance, uh, could be a stand-up, rush-in type guy. I could even see him, you know, gaining some pounds and sliding inside. I, you know, I don't know, you know, how that will all develop for him. But, you know, that's the thing. As athletic as he is, he gives you some versatility. Well, for about a month now, he and his mother and grandmother were planning to come uh, to top dog camp, not to work out, but just to come and spend some time with the staff, take the tour, that sort of stuff. He didn't show. Now, unlike some other guys, he didn't just, you know, go not no show on you. He did let the staff know that he wasn't coming. And so Trevion says that, uh, you know, he just recently committed to Florida State and he's uh, really high on them right now and doesn't want to hurt his standing with them. And I get it. 
And I guess at the end of the day, you say, well, if he wasn't here, at least he wasn't in Oxford. And that's probably true, too. But in order for State to take the next step in recruiting, you know, we got to get guys like that. Not necessarily saying we got to get him, but, you know, we can't allow, you know, blue chip guys like that, especially at a position of strength for Mississippi State, to go to Florida State. Because Mississippi State knows how to develop defensive linemen. It's in our culture here. Doesn't matter who the defensive line coach has been, this state genuinely produces quality defensive line prospects. And so, you know, we got to get that fixed. We got to be able to get, you know, we got to stay on him, obviously, and we're going to. But that's really the only negative that I come away from the weekend. Now, Tyler Woodard, Mississippi State commitment, also didn't come. Jeterius Elam also didn't come. Now, Elam is a guy that we were never able to confirm if he was going to come or not. He was a very early commitment. And I think a lot of it, you know, I like his game. I really do. Now, needs a good senior year, but I'm a little bit concerned about a guy that comes to camp and then doesn't compete. And I understand he was a little bit banged up, had a bit of a hand injury, and then he doesn't even come to the July camp. And so, you know, if, if I'm making those decisions, it's a pretty easy decision to make. You know, when I've got, you know, last year we, we defensive back recruiting was just an absolute disaster for us. And so now you're having to kind of basically sign two classes in one this year. And so you've got several defensive back prospects out there that are very interested in coming. And so I would not hold a spot for a guy that's not willing to come to compete. Tyler Wooder was here in June. He was not 100%. He worked out, did not, did not have a great workout. And so I think that kind of leaves some questions. And so he had a chance to come back and answer those questions and kind of, you know, solidify himself as a bona fide SEC prospect, and he didn't show. He's recently added offers from Arkansas State and Georgia Tech. So if you see in the weeks to come that he's, quote, decommitted or flips to another school, just kind of understand you know why. And it's not necessarily his decision. I like his game. I had a lot of fun watching him play at a 7-on-7 tournament early this year. And I, I do think that he's capable of doing it. Remember, he hasn't played, you know, football a couple of years now. You know, so he is an athlete just kind of getting by and kind of getting back in the swing of things. And I do think that he would be a great addition for us. But it's difficult for me to get out here and stand on a table for a guy that doesn't show up. So we move on. Uh, so those are the three things that, that happen. I think that you could be considered somewhat negative. And I hate to kind of start with that. But I think let's, let's get that out of the way and focus on the positives. Jaheim Otis, Alabama commitment Jaheim Otis from Columbia High School. Yes, the Columbia High School. It's me, Walter Payton, Jaheim Otis, Columbia High School, baby. Now, really proud of Jaheim. I know a lot of his family and uh, went to school with some of his relatives, and so I've been hearing about him, you know, since he was like a seventh grader. He is a phenomenal athlete. Got to get in the weight room, tone up a little bit, get a little stronger. Uh, he's a big guy, and, and I, I've had some people say, well, you know, Stevie takes some plays off. Well, you know, it's because he plays every play. You know, so it's very rare that he leaves the field. But, you know, this is a guy, too, you look at, and I, I, I love the, the comparison. People say, well, you know, he reminds me of this guy. i tell you the guy that he reminds me of is Josh Boyd. I think that's, you know, when you begin to look at, you know, physically, skill set-wise, he reminds me of Josh. Josh had a really good senior year for us, you know, spent some time in the National Football League. I think Jaheim probably has a higher ceiling than Josh. I think Jaheim might be a little more athletic. Got great footwork. 
could be a guy that I think can play football a long time as an offensive lineman. And there's a lot of those guys this year. There's a lot of guys in the state of Mississippi you look at, like Jacarius Clayton is a guy that we, we've had some very spirited discussions about this guy. I don't think he's a defensive lineman. Now, that's not to say that he can't play defensive line, because I think he certainly is capable of doing that. I think he's better as an offensive lineman. And you can say, well, Steve, he hadn't, he hadn't played a lot of offensive line. He has played some attached tight end, which is you know very similar to basically being an additional tackle uh, in the offense there at, at Tupelo. But uh, I like his skill set, but I think that, you know, long term, you know, he's probably a better fit as an offensive lineman. You know, Xavier Harris, a guy at Germantown at 6'8". Guys, you know, people always say, well, you know, Raquan Davis. Guys, Raquan Davis had incredible bend. This is, so he was able to get pad level. And listen, let's be brutally honest here. Raquan Davis wasn't maybe what we expected him to be at Alabama, and that's, you know <laughs> – that's what a lot of four- and five-star guys around him. So it's not like that everybody just double-teamed him and forced somebody else to make a play. But I think Xavier, I don't think Xavier Harris is Raquan Davis. I think Xavier Harris is a guy that um, it could be an offensive tackle and probably play 10 years in the National Football League. That's not to say that, again, he's not capable of playing D-line. I just think he's better as an offensive lineman. And so when you begin to kind of run these things through – it's not necessarily always about, you know, can he or, or will he do it. It's about, you know, what's best for the team or what's best for their long-term development. I think Jaheim Otis is 100% a nose. That's not to say that he can't play tackle or can't play guard, but I think he wants to play defensive line. And unlike those other guys, I just simply feel like that he's better. I think he is better suited to play on the interior defensive line. Now, I had some people try to suggest to me that Jaheim was going to Ole Miss this weekend, and he didn't. Yeah, I'm from Columbia, Mississippi. I know that that, that uh, may be a surprise to some people. but uh, And the fact that I'm from there, you know, I know people there. It's a small town. And so I can pick up the phone and call people. I know, I know a lot of people. I've covered a lot of kids down there from Columbia High School. I've helped a lot of Columbia High School kids get to combines, that sort of stuff. Those are my people. And so – Here's the deal with Jaheim Otis. From what I have been told from people that I trust that, are, that do not have a Mississippi State lean, they're Columbia High School fans. And these are people that have known Jaheim Otis most of his life. So this is going to boil down to Alabama or Mississippi State. Ole Miss has tried to really be a factor here, but they're really not a factor. They're going to continue to recruit him because why wouldn't you, right? You never know how things are going to develop. But I've read with great interest, you know, People say, oh, yeah, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And uh, I've been told for a couple weeks now that Jaheim was coming to Mississippi State. And so I shared that on the Gene Spades message board. And so it was not a surprise to any of our Gene Spades members when he showed up. People were elated. People were excited, but it wasn't a big surprise. Now, this may come as a surprise to you. If, if you're a Gene Spades member, you've read some of this. And so Jaheim did not camp, and he didn't need to. He already had. He's been here several times and camped multiple times. He came up here with a friend just to kind of spend some time at Mississippi State. Shortly after he got there, he linked up with Janari Dean. Janari Dean, also a country boy. And they went out to Janari Dean's place and rode four-wheelers and drove the tractor. Last I had heard, that Jaheim had an apron around his waist and was frying catfish. If that's not a Mississippi State kid, I don't know who is. It's also one of those things, too, that he understands the legacy Mississippi State has built on the defensive line. He believes he can be a part of that. Now, that am I sitting here saying that we're going to flip him? I'm not. 
but the possibility still exists. And I know once he committed to Alabama, some people, you know, some of these, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'll get in trouble when I say this, this kind of stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to tread lightly here. Oh, we were never in it. You don't know what you're talking about. Now I can understand if it's a kid from your neck of the woods, you know, let, you know let's say you're, you're from Buck Tussle, Mississippi. Your kids have all gone to Buck Tussle High School. Maybe you remember the Buck Tussle Football Club. Maybe you are. This is a kid from my hometown. And so, again, I know a lot of these people around him. And I said, hey, listen, the state's still in this thing. Basically, he goes over to Alabama. And uh, you sit across the table from Nick Saban. And Nick Saban says, hey, listen, we got a handful of guys for your position. But we want you. So if you're not coming, you need to let us know. And the kid jumped on it. Continues to plan to take his visits. You know, continues to uh, talk to other schools and work through the process. And so the thing that I ask you, too, is, you know, you know we go back to the Trevion Williams thing. Trevion Williams says, you know what, I'm committed to Florida State. I'm a little concerned about how things would look if I took a visit to Mississippi State. Sounds like a pretty solidly committed kid to me. And while I don't like it, because I want the kid to come to Mississippi State, I respect it. Because not everybody's going to come here. And that's a Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Okay. But Jaheim Otis committed to Alabama comes to Mississippi State, shows up on Friday, spends a night, spends part of the day on Saturday, hanging out with Mississippi State players in a social setting. It's not like he just came up here for a junior day and took the tour and went home. 
He came up here and invested basically majority of his weekend on the Mississippi State campus to get to know the Mississippi State players. Does that sound like a solid commitment to you? I would offer no. I mean, if I was uh, in the coaching profession, I said, hey, you know, we got this kid committed. Oh, what? He's, what? He went over to Mississippi State? Okay, well, that's understandable. Oh, well, oh, that's like four and a half hours from home. Or four hours from home, excuse me. So he went up there with a buddy, and he spent the night, and he went to a fish fry with the players, and he hung out and drove the tractor, got out there and ran some dogs. I'd be a little concerned. Because, again, it's not just, you know, the novelty of the experience. It's not like, well, Coach, I've never been to Mississippi State, and so I just want to go up there and see what they have to offer. The guy's been up here several times. He was up here when David Turner was our defensive line coach. So we're going back, you know, a couple staffs now. So he comes and works out with Dave Turner, comes back, you know, works, uh, you know, with Joe Moorhead staff, comes back again, and works with uh, Mike Leach's staff. And so we always talk about, well, let's, you know, let's, let's look at their actions more so than their words. So what about the way he's acted would make me feel, feel like Mississippi State doesn't have a chance? You can say, well, he did commit to Alabama. 100% correct. It's true, he did. But why would anybody think that, oh, well, he doesn't have any interest in Mississippi State after he came up here and spent all his time with us? Just food for thought. Stone Blanton was here. And uh, also, no need to work out. Stone also rehabbing a shoulder injury. But, you know, he's got nothing to prove. We know what he can do. Stone came and spent some time with the Mississippi State staff. Wasn't a part of the camp, but came to the cookout, the little SummerSlam event they had afterward. Came, uh, had a handful of family members with him. Stone recently announced a top three. And I asked him, I said, is this a top three or a final three? It appears it is the final three. Now, what's interesting is, uh, you know, to hear Stone talk about things, you know, he, he refers to Mississippi State as we. You know, maybe that's habit, but that's also something that should make Bulldog fans feel pretty good. He sat there and talked with me about the national championship in baseball, and he goes, man, we've been waiting for that since back in 13. You know, we went to Omaha when I was a kid. You know, for many of us, we've been waiting longer than that. But He's excited. He's excited about Mississippi State. Now, his top three are Texas A&M, South Carolina, Mississippi State. Now, he shared with me, too, that Mississippi State may be and will likely be the final official visit that he takes. That's set for the weekend of September 11th when State plays NC State. So we're talking, you know, six weeks or so. Doesn't have a, uh, you know, another official set up outside of that. Now, he's been a few places. He's been in South Carolina. So... What if he doesn't go back to A&M? You know, again, I think the writing's on the wall here, and I think it's very positive for Mississippi State. I think it's just simply a matter of time. Now, has this process lasted longer than I expected? Absolutely. It absolutely has. But talking to some people that are pretty close to the Blanton family, they say, listen, you know, he didn't get to do anything last year. You know, couldn't go to junior days, didn't get to go to camp, so he didn't get a chance to get out and really get to know these, these coaches as people. Yeah, you talk to him over the phone, you DM a little bit, but – you know, he didn't get a chance to go travel and get a chance to go uh, tour all the facilities. And listen, there are a lot of people that don't get that opportunity. And so if you're a fan of college football, you know, wouldn't you like the opportunity to go see what other schools have? Listen, when I get those opportunities, I love it, man. 
I went to oh I was in Omaha a couple of years ago and had a chance to go to Nebraska and tour their facilities. You wouldn't want to do that if you're a fan of college football. Wouldn't you want to go do that? And so when you're a guy that's being you know kind of courted, as Stone Blanton is, and everybody is like, hey man, we'd love to get you up here and show you around, let you meet the coaches, let you see the facilities, and you can drive. Wouldn't you go? Absolutely, you would. And so I don't begrudge Stone Blanton or any of these prospects for doing that. But I think once the dead period lifted, I think it prolonged things for Stone just a little bit because I think he wanted to enjoy being recruited something, even if he knew where he wanted to go. You know, I think maybe you get in a situation where you, maybe you find out, hey, listen, I got to do this sooner rather than later. I may lose the opportunity that I really want. So what does he do? He goes and takes three official visits in the month of June. Go and get those things knocked out. Right? So this is not a guy that I think is going to drag this thing out just for the sake of dragging it out. I just don't get the impression that Stone's that kind of person at all. I ultimately believe that Stone Blanton is going to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. And it would have been very easy for him to say, you know what, hey, let me just go ahead and jump on this and get done with it. And you know what, there's some guys that do that. But it may be a situation, too, where Stone's like, you know what, I know what I want to do, but let me go have a little fun first. And he's done that. And I don't think that this thing lasts much longer. Honestly, I I don't think that uh, his commitment lasts through the official visit to Mississippi State. It may even happen before then. But I believe here in the next few weeks that we're going to see Stone Blanton, the four-star linebacker out of MRA, commit to Mississippi State. Zach Arnett, Matt Brock doing a great job with him, as is Chris Simonis. He does intend to play both sports here at Mississippi State. And I think the guy can contribute on both sides of the thing. And that's the thing, too. You know, the baseball aspect of it, you know, people forget we had him committed to baseball first. As great as he is as a linebacker, Chris Limonis, the, the uh, head coach of the national champion Mississippi State Bulldogs, you know, they were like, hey, this is a kid that we want. And they had him committed for some time. So it's not like a situation where you've seen – like, you know, Brad Cummins is a good example. So Brad's a guy that was a good baseball player, too, in high school and had some, some you know, some conversations with MLB clubs. We were a little bit concerned that he might get drafted. And then he told everybody, now I'm going to school. You know, but Brad was a football player that played baseball. And so the football commitment came first, and then the opportunity to play baseball came second. This is a different situation with Stone. And perhaps he's a guy, too, that the, um, you know, the football stuff came maybe a little bit bigger and brighter than many of us expected. And I think he owes it to himself to at least get out and explore his opportunities. And I know that that creates some anxiety with Mississippi State fans because, you know, he is one of our own. But all is well that ends well. Now, I think it's it's probably good for State to get him committed and then have him kind of helping, you know, recruit to kind of get some other players around the state of Mississippi because, listen, it's going to be very, 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 very contentious down the stretch. Very. We're going to have a lot going on. There's going to be some major battles in-state down the stretch, and I think the more in-state guys you have that have some credibility in the room, the better off you're going to be. I don't think it's a major factor, but I would much rather have the in-state guys recruiting for us than against us, if that makes sense to you. Had some other, you know, quality guys in town as well. You know, it's like you start running down the list here. You know, Jaheim Grant's a guy from O'Banion High School, probably got to watch you know, for later, I at this point, I don't know if he's an SEC guy. I think we need to kind of gather some more information. But I liked him. You're watching him in one-on-one drills, I thought he could really play. Kind of surprised he doesn't have more going on. 
Ricky Fletcher out of Holmes County Central. Had a chance to talk to him, too. He's currently committed to South Alabama. This is a guy that plays opposite Kamari Rogers. So you got two Division I corners at Holmes County Central this year. Two guys that already committed. Of course, Kamari committed to Miami. And then uh, Fletcher committed to South Alabama. And good for him to jump on that when you had the opportunity. But this is a, this is a guy that's legit, man. He's like 6'3", 185, 180, 185 maybe, I guess. Long, lean guy. And if you look at what we're, what we're recruiting, if you look at the guys that Darcel McBath is recruiting, you know, the Emmanuel Forbes, those type guys, uh, DeCambrian Richardson, you know, this new generation of Bulldog Corner, it's long, lean, athletic. Not quite the beefy guys we've had in the past. It's a different game today. It's a lot more vertical. So you got to have some guys with some length. you got to have some athletes that's got to change of direction. And Emmanuel Forbes, got last year, is kind of got by on athleticism alone. You know what I mean? And listen, there were a lot of people that thought he would just redshirt, including myself, just to bulk up a little bit. He ends up being, you know, getting some All-American consideration, you know, from some people. It's pretty impressive, impressive to think about that. Now he's had, you know, the benefit of spring practice and, now he'll get into fall camp here uh, here on Friday, and we'll see some cool things happen. Lorenzel Dubos is another that kind of fits that same mold. And so if you look at the guys out there that are really drawing some attention from the coaching staff, they look a lot like Emmanuel Forbes. Maybe not quite as thin, but, you know, you could line all those guys up and say, you know what, that's the Mississippi State corner group over there. And so you can kind of get an idea of what Darcel McBath is looking for. You know, the days of the squat corner – Probably paused for now. You're just not going to have that, you know, that five nine type corner. Everybody's looking for that guy that's long and lean, just because of the fact you know it's easier to get your hand into somebody else's catch radius and break a ball up. So it's interesting to see these guys come in and uh, have a chance to compete. Now, offensive line prospect Lucas Taylor, who's currently committed to Mississippi State, I had a chance to meet with him a little bit too. You know, he flipped from LSU and uh, has been true maroon ever since his sister played softball at mississippi state very familiar with the campus here understands the culture here he says you know what i've heard some from auburn and lsu but i've just shut all that down i'm done i'm done he's out there recruiting for you he is definitely a center type prospect you know look at him he, he is more he is a big barrel chested guy more that square body type you know doesn't have those you know, long limbs and not really, especially, you know, arm-wise, you know, he doesn't have his hands down to his knees. He just doesn't have that wingspan you'd expect from a tackle. But, you know, one of the things that I really like about him is how locked in he is. He's like, man, I told everybody, listen, the only visit I'm going to take is to Mississippi State. I'm going to sign at Mississippi State. He's told all comers that. And the thing that I go back to, it's like, you know, there's so many people that say, well, you know, LSU said he didn't have good camp. Well, that's, you know, it's all easy to say now. Then why are you still recruiting him? If he didn't have a good camp, why are you still in touch with him? Right? Because you get a lot of these things out here when things – oh, my gosh, this kid flipped to Mississippi State. Well, how do we explain this away? Oh, we didn't really want him. Yeah, that, that, was, that was the old Rebel Classic, right, for years. Yeah. Oh, he's not going to qualify. Then he did. Oh, well, oh, well uh, this guy's got character issues, and then he doesn't. You know, it's like there's always some spin out there, you know. Uh, we like Corvick Neat better than Chad Bumpus. Yeah, there's always something. And so that's not just unique to Ole Miss, even though they are the masters of it in many respects. You know, the, the spin is, is next level. But a lot of people out there, when you when you lose a kid, that want to make it always seem like it's, you know, it's the school's 
situation. You know, we've, we've had some kids slip away from us. I mean, you know, Malik neighbors flipped from us to LSU. We lost the kid. We didn't drop the kid. You say, well, you know, he's going home to LSU. And you know what? I respect it. You know, best of luck. We always knew that was a possibility. But the reality is Lucas Taylor thing is, is that this is a kid that really just felt like after taking campus visit to LSU and a campus visit to Mississippi State, just felt like he fit in better here. And, guys, he's originally from Loochdale, Mississippi. Don't you think he'd fit in better in Starkville than Baton Rouge? I've lived in both places, and I can tell you, small-town Mississippi kids are going to be more comfortable in Starkville, Mississippi. Just a fact of life. One of the targets that Lucas is working on is Bryson Hurst. Now, last week, you know, I said on Gene's page, you know, the, hey, the current plan is he's not going to go anywhere. Mom can't go. He's not going to go anywhere. I said, but we'll see how the week goes because, you know, it's crazy. Right before the dead period, everybody's running out of opportunities to get these guys on campus before the season. And so I knew that people were going to get creative. Just knew it. There's no way that you let the best offensive lineman in the state of Mississippi stay home the final weekend of camp season. You got to figure it out. And so late last week, the talk was that Ole Miss had found a way to get the kid a ride. Now, don't know as far as the rest of that goes, you know, but all of a sudden he's going to go to Ole Miss. Then everybody panics. Oh, well, what's going to happen here? Well, ultimately what happened is he came up with his mom and his siblings and visited Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And it's interesting, you know, when, when he first walked up, you know, I got a picture and tweeted it out. You know, some people were somewhat surprised. You know, I don't know that our staff gets enough credit for their willingness to get out there and fight in the street a little bit. If you understand what I'm saying. It's like, oh, oh, whoa, is me. Well, you know, Ole Miss found a way to get the kid here. And so I don't know what Steve Spurrier Jr. and Mason Miller told Bryson Hurst or his mom. Don't know. But he was here. It had been easy for them to say, well, you know what, we tried. And there have been some recruiters in the past at Mississippi State in recent years, that's the attitude they would have taken. They'd have walked around, they'd have cursed Ole Miss and say, you know, this guy's got us again. But that's not what happened. You know, somebody up there is recruiting. Somebody up there is, you know, trying to figure these things out. And so, you know what, let's get him up here. And some were saying, you know what, hey, if he shows up at Ole Miss, he probably commits. And they've been saying they've had the momentum. You know, the thing that I've learned about Bryson Hurst is he's pretty impressionable. And that's not a criticism. He's a, he's a young guy. He's still figuring it out. He's pretty impressionable. And so a lot of times the last person he talks to or the last place he visits, you know, that's I mean, who he feels the best about. Now, Mississippi State has been a consistent leader. There were times Ole Miss wasn't even really mentioned in the top grouping. But they've been a consistent suitor as well. But Mississippi State has been the leader multiple times. He came back in June and nearly committed. And the next thing you know, you know, we're, we're trying to get something set up, and then they, oh, we can't get it done. Well, we got it done. And so now we see what happens. And now there's still some discussion that he may decide here in August. Lucas Taylor tells me that that's what Bryson Hurst is kind of talking about. And he goes, you know what, I can't make his decision for him, but I'm going to tell him all the reasons it should be Mississippi State. And one thing I look at, too, is, you know, look at how many offensive linemen Mississippi State's put in the league here in the last few years. Look at how many Mason Miller did at Washington State. Maybe that's just how I look at it. You know, so, and, that's, and that's one of the things, too, that I, I kind of laugh a little bit about, too, is, uh, you know, I hear these things, 
and uh, and I call them things to be nice because they're really just fabrications and, and items of propaganda. It's like, oh, well, you know, they've got a much better relationship with their position coach at Ole Miss. Oh, really? That's interesting. That's really interesting to me. Uh, I'm going to look this up here just because I, I want to give some actual dates here uh, because I want to make sure that you guys understand because there's a lot of times people put things out there that uh, make no sense. And um, and so I want to make sure that we, we deal with the facts here on this show. So Ole Miss and Randy Clements parted ways earlier this year. Rand, Clem is uh, well-respected in the coaching industry and, and was a good recruiter, really gave us some trouble there at times when he was at Ole Miss. But he leaves and they hire Jake Thornton. Jake Thornton takes the, the game as, uh, on May 24th. So, in case you didn't know, that's like a week before June starts, right? So, a guy that's been there that uh, was at Gardner-Webb and at Tennessee Tech has apparently come in and in less than you know two months developed a better relationship than the guys that have been recruiting Bryson Hurst for two years. That's what I'm supposed to believe. I don't believe it. Uh, the next part of that, that equation, too, that I think is rather interesting, and again, if you guys are scared of Ole Miss, just say you're scared of Ole Miss. I'm not. I think I've proven that. But let's take a look at the uh, defensive line here. You know, it's, uh, again, they hire Randall Joyner, and even some of our own people are drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, he was uh, hired to replace – Former Mississippi State defensive line coach, Deke Adams. And so he gets there in February. Of course, you know, Deke hangs on, you know, to make sure the defensive line class is all put together in December, and then, uh, you know, he's gone. And they hire Randall Joyner. Yeah, Randall Joyner. Uh, <laughs> announced February 1st, and again, all due respect to Randall, but Randall was a volunteer assistant coach at SMU, then a GA at Hawaii, a GA at Ohio State, and then he coached at SMU a couple years there. And so he has never coached a down in Power 5 football. And, again, he listen, he may be the greatest thing in the history of the world. But don't sit there and tell me that a guy that just got here six months ago that has no experience coaching in the Power 5 other than being a GA – is going to come in here and just wreck shop on the defensive line and say, well, you know what, Steve, they got Xavier Harris. Absolutely did. But I don't believe any of this stuff about that boiling down a relationship with a position coach. And you shouldn't either because it doesn't. There's a lot of that narrative out there. And I, I just encourage you guys, you know, look at the facts. Look at the facts. You know, and things don't make sense, there's a reason for it. And so that was the spin. It's, oh, well, you know, well, Bryson Hurst just has a better relationship with the old Miss staff. Well, who? Who? Oh, well, you know, well, Terrell Buckley's been recruiting him for a while. Okay, cool. And listen, these are the same people that, uh, you know, for, for the, the years that T-Buck was here, and I love T-Buck to death. T-Buck's from my hometown. They all said he couldn't recruit, and all of a sudden it gets to Oxford and he figures out how to recruit. I mean, come on. Come on. Come on, you're smarter than that. So we'll see what happens. I can't sit here and tell you what Bryson Hurst is going to do. I don't know. 
Now, I'll be honest with you, a couple months ago, I felt pretty confident it was just a matter of time before he committed to Mississippi State. I do think ultimately it'll boil down to Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I brought up a while back on Gene's page that um, you know, mom just didn't want him going that far out of state and going to, going to Florida State. And people are like, oh, well, it's only like a half an hour longer. You know, guys, listen, it's still across two state lines. And I don't know how your mom thinks. You know, I, I grew up uh, the son of a South Mississippi mom, but you know, anything north of Jackson just kind of felt like a foreign country. And so I don't know if she's cut from the same cloth or not, but I know that I'm told that the family would prefer that he stay in the state of Mississippi. And I think ultimately that's what happened. Will it be Ole Miss? Don't know. Will it be state? Don't know. But I think basically what you can expect now is to be a state Ole Miss battle. And now that we're in the dead period, right, we can't, we can't have prospects back on campus again on September 1st. You know, we'll see. But even when he commits, I don't think this is going to be things going to be over with until the end. I don't think there's any question. Mississippi State defensive end commitment. Don Terry Russell was on campus and uh, with his brother, obviously, and uh, we never really worried about that. We just felt it was a matter of time. And you know, to hear Don Terry tell it, Demonte was probably about ten pounds heavier his senior year of high school. But if you see Demonte Russell now, he looks exactly like you would hope he would after two years in the weight room. Don Terry will follow a similar situation. And I think, too, the fact that the two of them are so close and the fact that it is so reasonably close to home and the fact that he's already built some relationships here, you can see why Mississippi State really never had much to worry about with Don Terry Russell. And I think this kid's a freak of an athlete. I really do. And I love when other people say, well, you know, I just don't know. You know and that's fine, too. We're all, we're all entitled to our opinions. But when you look at how long and rangy he is, and imagine him lining up in a three-three-five edge rusher type position. I, I think you could get excited about that. I think that's exactly what he fits. I think that skill set is what Zach Arnett and Jeff Phelps are looking for in an edge rusher in this scheme. He also is a guy, too, that can run a little bit. You know, a lot of guys out there that are kind of stiff and not very fluid, but that's not Don Terry. Don Terry can move. Some other names to kind of keep up with, too. I think it's important that we, we kind of focus on this. You know, there hadn't been a lot of talk about wide receiver recruiting. It's only going to be a couple spots for sure, maybe three. A guy that I think you need to watch is Xavier Thomas. Xavier Thomas out of John Aird High School down in Marrero, currently committed to Louisville, went to Mississippi State over the weekend, and, uh, you know, he's a guy too that can really, really fly. Doesn't have a real lengthy offer list. I guess he's got about 10 offers. But, uh, you know, Louisville probably the biggest one at the time. Mississippi State starting to get involved with him and get a little more serious about things with him. Those are the things that I think you look at and you begin to think, okay, this is the benefit of having camp. This is the better part of camp is you get a guy like him on campus and then, he, you know, he runs, uh, you know, 4-3, 4-4 type stuff. And then he gets a camp. He gets, gets an offer from State. And, you know, he is a guy, too, that, you know, I think is exciting. What does that mean long-term? I don't know. You know, we got, we got some guys with some length in the last class. You know, we, we'll probably need a slot receiver or two in this class. You know, we got Hobson already. But Mike Leach knows what he's doing. T. Spurrier Jr. knows what he's doing. I'm excited about it. You should be as well. And I, I think that, you know, this is going to be – a much more interesting year that some people have, uh, have kind of made it out to be. All right, let's get into today's top ten list. 
It's uh, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. CloseWithBlair.com. And if you're unaware of this, you know, here's the thing. CloseWithBlair.com, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage questions. Blair's been in the business for 21 years. It's not, you know, some fly-by-night company. He works at Fairway Mortgage. Blair in the top 1% of the mortgage loan origination officers there with Fairway Mortgage. If you have questions, whether you're, whether you're you're looking to buy for the first time, maybe you're wanting to refi, maybe you maybe you're thinking, Steve, I want to get a secondary home. Uh, you have a place in Starkville or whatever, or maybe maybe you set up a deer camp. He can help you with all that. He can get you prepared. And even if you're not quite ready to buy, sometimes it's good to get pre-approved so you know what you're looking for, what your price range is. Brooke uh, Blair can help you with every bit of that. There's no question about it. Let me give you his number. This is out of my personal Rolodex too. So Blair's been a longtime friend. It's not as simple as, um, you know, you jump on the boneyard and, and I read an ad. I, I got I to know you and respect you, and I, I absolutely do with Blair. That's 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. That's closewithblair.com. Again, that's B-L-A-I-R, closewithblair.com. All right, so we have had a run of some rock music and stuff, and I've had the Roy has kind of reached out and said, hey, we've had we've had a lot of these pop music lists kind of stack up on us. So we're going to kind of clear some of those out this week. We'll do some rock one day. But today we're getting an assist from Elsa. That's Roy's daughter, Elsa. They tell me she's not named after that Frozen thing. I just don't know if I believe that. I just don't know if I believe that. And I, I think maybe perhaps even even if Elsa was born before the movie came out, I think Roy and them probably had some idea that was going to happen. And so, Elsa, thanks for your contribution. I, I, I'm going off her list, but there are a couple. There are a couple of them that are really more my picks than hers. So this is our list, but it's mainly Elsa's list, and it's Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars is a musical genius, and I don't know. I don't care if you're if what genre of music you're a fan of. I think everybody can appreciate the fact that Bruno Mars. I think I think he plays seven instruments. It's ridiculous. Great songwriter. Is a guy, great performer too. When he the Super Bowl perform, halftime performance that he did a couple years ago, I think that's the best one since Prince. And and maybe maybe I'm in the minority. I thought Bruno Mars absolutely killed it. I think some of the stuff they do at halftime is silly, but you know what? I don't watch the game for the halftime performance. I watch it for the football, and sometimes for the commercials. You know, the halftime performance is like near the bottom for me, to be honest with you. And because of the fact that I expect such little, so so little from that. If I can get that out, Bruno Mars really impressed me. And so this is the, the top 10 Bruno Mars songs. I think you should be excited about this. This is a, this would be a good drive list too. So some of these songs obviously are um, not necessarily in my wheelhouse, shall we say. So number 10 on the list is Count On Me, which is, uh, you know, got a great chorus to it and, uh, the arrangement of the song is really, really legit. Uh, 24K Magic, and I, this is way down the list for me too. This is Elsa's list, but it's way down the list. It was a huge hit, but I, I thought it was a little bit retro for me. And he is kind of a throwback performer. But I know some of you would have this much higher. I know it was on the radio, it seemed like, for five years. But... 24K Magic, a good song. Num- grenade, one of the ones that started it all, because I'll jump on a grenade for you. That's your number eight song. 
I like it. I like the fact that it's uh, it's not one of these deals where it's a song that gets old after a while. I think because of the fact it's not played over a track and it's actually played over a live band makes it even easier to like. Number seven is It Will Rain. That's from the Twilight movies, in case you're unfamiliar with that. A little bit of a relationship song. A good-natured song, a happy song about young love, whether you be young at heart or just young at age. It's Marry You. And I'm sure at some point most girls want to hear that. Not all. Some some are happy being single or play in the field, whatever. But Marry You is a really good, upbeat song. That this It's one of those smile songs. I guess even if you don't want to get married, you probably enjoy it. It's because it, it's up-tempo. One of these uh, Lover's Lament songs, Talking to the Moon, I think it's some of the better vocal performances, too. I think Bruno does a good job as a crooner at times on these ballads. And I think maybe Talking to the Moon might be not the best ballad in his catalog, but it's up there. Uptown Funk is actually a Mark Ronson song featuring Bruno Mars, but nobody really knew who Mark Ronson was before Uptown Funk came on, and it seemed like it was everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And again, it's kind of a throwback song, too. I dig it. You will, too. Uh, when I Was Your Man, another Lover's Lament song. It's uh, it's really sad, and I'm, I'm a sucker for sad love songs. I told you guys before, and I think, you know, this is one when Bruno sings it, there's some authenticity in his voice. So I think even as rich and powerful and popular as he is, he has uh, had that relatable experience where he let one get away. I almost went, I almost changed the order here just because Elsa and I disagree on what should be number one. I almost did it, but I'm going to stick with her. Number two on the list, and it would have been number one for me, is Locked Out of Heaven. And it's one of those songs, too, that might be a little bit racy, for a 12-year-old daughter, g- girl, but uh, I don't know how you can't like lock, Locked Out of Heaven. I love the percussion on this, and I love the backing vocals. I think Locked Out of Heaven is a classic-type song. I think it is one, you know, 20 years from now, when people look back and say, hey, remember Bruno Mars? If, and he'd probably still be playing music then. I think that will be the song that kind of defines the catalog, Locked Out of Heaven. And again, I love the drums on it. But number one is Just The Way You Are. Just The Way You Are. And again, it's a sweet song. A lot of positivity. So Elsa, thanks so much for your help today. I will reach out through your dad when we have pop artists that I'm not quite as familiar with. I knew all these songs. I just didn't know how to rank them. And I wanted to do these songs justice. And so we'll do Taylor Swift at some point. I know many of you are excited about that. We're going to do Britney Spears. That's a little bit older for her. And so... You know, I know that uh, I've got some Britney fans out there, and with all this stuff lately, the documentaries and all the stuff like that that are out about her, a lot of interest in her music again. And uh, listen, I like Britney Spears too, but I got a little—I got a little tired of it too, to be honest with you. It's like, okay, we had our time. Let's move on with life. So, if you have an idea for the top ten list, reach out and let me know. A lot of good ideas out there for sure. And uh, I had a few people reach out, too, about the Motley list that on Friday, and they had never heard some of those songs, which is amazing to me. I think 6 a.m. is great. 6 a.m., of course, uh, it's Nikki Six's side project with uh, DJ Ashba and James Michael, but uh, it, is, uh, it is phenomenal. But the songs that I think people responded to the most were the two Vince songs, 
off of the Exposed album. And as many people said, you know what, Steve, I'd always knew Vince had a couple of solo albums, but I'd never heard those songs. But you're invited, but your friend can't come. That, that is that is a the deal. I love that song. And a lot of that stuff was written for Motley. It just wasn't recorded. And so maybe that's why, maybe those elements of it are, are, are in there for sure. But anyway, thanks so much for your support of uh, the top 10 list. I get messages every single day, many of them duplicates. And listen, you can search for the Spotify list, Dogmatic67. Um, we've had a few others too, you know, that kind of predated Roy. And so I've got those, and I'm trying to tweet one out every now and again from the archives that uh, Gordon Griffin has put together for us. Very appreciative of that. And then Izzy Mandelbaum is putting these guys on uh, Apple Music for you guys too. So the top 10 list, readily available. And, uh, and again, enjoy your comments about them. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. That kind of stuff doesn't bother me. It's like it's so funny. Every so often somebody will they'll see where somebody had said something negative about me and, and they feel the need to send it to me, and I don't know why. I'm not going to respond to that stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's, there, there's a reason. Some people like chocolate ice cream. Some like vanilla. I'm a Rocky Road guy, but really a pralines and cream guy. I don't judge people for their taste. And I know that I'm not for everybody. And you know what? That's absolutely okay. You know, one of the things, too, that I kind of get a kick out of, too, is so, like, Brian Haydad is one of my best friends. And so there is no rivalry between us and them. You know, it's like I'm glad that Robbie's on the show with Brian. I thought Joel did a great job when he was there. And then, of course, uh, you know, Charlie and um, Bart have a, a, a show, too, that they do kind of as needed. I just think it's a great thing for Mississippi State fans that you have these shows to listen to. And I don't think any of us feel – any bitterness or resentment or, or competition with each other, I think we're all just happy to do it and happy to provide you guys an opportunity to hear more about Mississippi State sports. And, you know, everybody's going to have a different take and a different approach to things. And I think that's great for you because it gives you more options. I think you should listen to all the shows. I've had so many people around the country and even around the globe that have reached out and said, I really appreciate you guys doing these shows because I love to get a little taste of home, even though I can't get talk radio out here and some of our men and women in the armed forces that are, uh, you know, in harm's way. You know, it's such an honor when I get those emails. I have so many of those people that have reached out over the years and said, you know what, Steve, thanks so much for you doing this. I listen to you and Brian both all the time. I think about, you know, we're sitting here griping and complaining about so much stuff, and we've got, you know, some, some of our men and women in the armed services community out there fighting for our freedom and, and they get these shows, and it reminds them kind of what they're fighting for. And so, again, love all you guys, but I, I don't care. I, you know, when somebody has something negative to say, I, I, I don't care. Like, I, I know I know, majority of our fans love me, and that's uh, that's who I focus on. And so I, I, I quit give. I gave up on uh, trying to make everybody like me years ago. I am not a people pleaser. I'm not a person that's going to change who I am to, to get somebody else's validation or to improve their opinion of me. I'm just going to do what I do, and those that like it can enjoy it, and those that don't, don't have to listen. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Love them. Absolutely love them, and you know what? They love me back, and they'll love you too because that's who they are and what they do. Been there a long time. It's an institution here in Starkville. Stand a man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, and then, of course, there's Candy down in the basement holding it down. Love all those people, man. Every time I go in there, they treat me like royalty. They'll treat you the same way. It's got nothing to do with me. It's just who they are and what they do. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. Promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. 
And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And if you're looking for championship gear, and you should be, check campusbookmart.net. A lot of people said, hey, you know, I bought a shirt just to kind of get going, but now, you know, listen, I want to get some more. I had a friend of mine tell me he's bought up to 17 shirts now. 17 shirts, man. It's crazy. 17 shirts. He said every time that he sees a new one out there, he just has to have it. I guess that's one way to go through life. You can find a great assortment right there at campusbookmart.net. Again, promo code BSR. All right, let's talk a little bit about some commitment stuff. So we weren't expecting a big recruiting weekend from a commitment standpoint, but we did get a couple. We did get a couple. Now, R.J. Moss is a guy that we've been talking about for the better part of, I guess, a year or so. I mean, as soon as he moved to Biloxi, there was no time. I got a, I got a text message. I got a good friend that works down there. Says, hey, Steve, listen, we got a new guy moving in from Belchase, Louisiana. This kid is really, really good. He's definitely good enough to play in the SEC. Of course, he's from Louisiana, so fellas, you got involved. Things could get a little bit dicey. But this is a kid that needs to needs a profile. He needs to get going. So we set up a profile. Next thing you know, the offers start coming in. The highlight video gets out there. And now he's a bulldog. R.J. Moss told me Friday, even before he committed, hey, I'm here to recruit. What? Yeah, I'm here to recruit. Had his Mississippi State pullover on. It's hot out there, but he's so proud he's wearing it anyway. So R.J. Moss is a guy. A lot of, everybody always says, well, Steve, what's the comparison? People say, well, is he, is he A.J. Jefferson? Honestly, I think he's more fluid than A.J. A.J. was a little bit stiff at times, and that's not in any way you know a shot at A.J. I thought A.J. was phenomenal, one of the best at tackle for losses uh, in our school's history. But I think that Moss might be a little bit better when it comes to run. You know, not, is he as tough as A.J.? We'll see. That kind of remains to be seen. But R.J. Moss is a guy – I saw somebody try to compare him to Kobe. I don't know if that's – I don't know. Kobe, I think, has got a little better length. But R.J. Moss, great guy for sure. And I really feel like there was some concern about him in the early part of the evaluation process. You know, we, you know, we didn't get the benefit of the spring evaluation process. And he goes to like a third-party camp, and they put out that he was 6'2", and he's not 6'2". But you got to verify that, right? So he comes to the June camp. He's not 6'2". He's 6'3", and a little bit of a change. And he may end up going to 6'4". But he's 6'3", comes in, has a good camp. And I think in many ways, I think that's what made the difference between taking him or waiting to see. And I think it's also important, you, you, you need to commit kids that want to be here. R.J. Moss wants to be here. R.J. Moss wants to play in the Southeastern Conference. And so... Let me run down the profile for you real quick here. Rated an 87.5 in the 247 sports composite. 6'3", 245, that's pretty much accurate. That's pretty much dead on there. So let's run down the list here. Commits to Mississippi State over offers from Kansas, Arkansas, Baylor, Memphis, Missouri, Ole Miss, South Alabama, Southern Miss, TCU, West Virginia, and others. And so there are some of you that I know, like the tape is not enough. you got to look at the offer list. It's like, oh, well, you know, he's not any good unless other people want him. You know, I, I don't know that I agree with that. But this is a guy whose offer list matches his tape. 
And there are a lot of guys out there that claim a bunch of offers, and you turn the tape on and you kind of scratch your head a little bit. And there are other guys you look at, and they've got great tape, but they don't have a great offer list. And so you, then you begin to wonder, is there an academic issue? Is there character issues? Well, there's none of that with R.J. R.J.'s offer list matches the film. I think it validates him as a prospect. And there were some people early on that said, you know, that Ole Miss had the momentum there. I never really believed that. Uh, I really feel like Mississippi State has been the leader throughout the process. I don't think there's any question that uh, Mississippi State has been has been the guy. And Jeff Phelps, Steve Spurrier are doing a great job. And I kind of laugh a little bit too. And and uh, I just I, I want to make sure that I speak this in a way that the people don't get their feelings hurt because I know that some of you are delicate little flowers. But you know I've read you know message boards and people would say you know what we're, we're not doing this and we're not doing that i had some text earlier today you're like i don't understand this with recruiting guys steve spurrier jr signed jadavian Clowney and alshon jeffrey at south carolina jadavian Clowney had offers from everybody in the country and they were able to get him to stay home and play at south carolina Alshon Jeffrey was committed to USC. Steve Spurrier Jr. didn't quit. They got him committed to South Carolina. And so when I hear these things, people say, oh, well, you know, we're not, we're not competing. We're not competing. We don't know how to recruit. We don't know what we're doing. I said, I said look at the track record. Do you really think a guy that was able to go out there and get the number one recruit in America in Jadavia and Clowney, do you think that guy's scared to compete? You think because he gets a little bit of resistance, he's just going to move on? No. And Steve Spurrier Jr. was a big part of getting Bryson Hurst to campus. Mason Miller did the heavy lifting, but those guys were a team. Yeah, I think about all that went down with Antonio Harmon last year. You know, Steve Spurrier Jr. is the guy that stood on the table for Antonio Harmon, and that guy's a freak. There was some concerns about his foot speed, and he wasn't able to really address those because he didn't have a chance to go to camp. You don't think that they know how to use that guy? They absolutely do. Steve Spurrier Jr., after they had the coaching change there at South Carolina, went and took two of their commitments. But he's scared to compete? Come on. What sense does that make? He goes and gets Ra-Ra, gets him away. And I love Ra-Ra's game. That guy can really elevate, too. You go watch his film. See for yourself. Then you go get Simeon Price, too, and could have gotten a third South Carolina commitment had we had room. But sometimes we act like that our guys are just sitting around playing Tetris or something on their phone. And then I look up and I see the guys that are coming to town, and I see the guys that they're committing, and it just it doesn't match some of the, the social media commentary out there. R.J. Moss is a guy, Steve Spurrier Jr., is his area recruiting coach. Jeff Phelps is the position coach. So when you start looking at these things and you begin to kind of realize kind of where we are and how things stand, I think it's important to look at things, you know, in their totality than rather looking at a snapshot. It's like when once word got out that Bryson Hurst was probably going to Ole Miss this weekend and not Mississippi State, everybody panicked. Well, then we get Bryson Hurst on campus anyway. So why, why isn't the, the glee and joy of that – equal to the angst when we thought he wasn't coming, right? Does that make sense? That's how I feel about it. <laughs> I think it's important that we kind of see it for what it is. 
you got some guys up there that they get it. You know, and I think maybe last year, maybe they didn't fully appreciate how hard it was going to be, you know, to recruit in the state of Mississippi. Because until you've done it, you don't know. That, that's the reality of life. Until you've done it, you don't know. I have people all in the industry will tell me, Steve, there's nothing like what you see in Mississippi. It's like, hey, you're out in California. Okay, a kid commits to Cal. Okay, it's done. Kid commits to Oregon. It's done. There's not this big emotional reaction, you know. But you know, when a kid, Mississippi kid picks State or Ole Miss over the other school, people lose it. That's how it works. And I'm glad that we live in a state where it all matters. You know what I'm saying? I'm just glad that we do. I'm glad that we're in a state where people pay attention to what's going on. That makes sense to me. And I think you know sometimes it's difficult on the kids. And I think R.J. Moss is a guy that was probably dealing with some of that. But he's done. Was in Tuscaloosa on on, uh, Thursday, made a trip to Mississippi State on Friday. His mom came up and joined him. And he commits. And they have a nice family moment. And what a great moment for a mom. What a great moment for a mom to be able to stand there as your son has accepted a free education from an SEC school. What a great moment. And sometimes we lose sight of that, too. We get caught up in stars, and we get caught up in projections, and dandy does and lists and that sort of stuff. But you got a young man here that has worked his entire life to have the opportunity to play college football, and he rewards himself and his mom with a full scholarship to a great institution. And listen, any opportunity when you get a free education is a great thing. But... You know, to get to go to an SEC school with all the amenities and the experience and the crowd and the notoriety of that, you're kind of building a brand and it gives you a leg up in the job race whenever you get done playing football because you have some name recognition. It's an incredible thing. So we got another commitment, um, and, you know, he's going to announce today. And I don't know what time he's going to announce today, but we're going to let him have his moment. But um, let me just say this, you know, I feel really good about this linebacker class. Really, 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 really good about this linebacker class. And, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, I spoke to Jave Gilmore. And uh, Jave Gilmore out of Amit, Louisiana, is uh, cousins with Tawit, who has had a great experience here at Mississippi State. Uh, Jave did not work out on Friday. And uh, he is uh, planning to announce his commitment on his birthday, which is today. We just let that kind of sink in for a second. So, uh, Jave Gilmore, let's look at him kind of break down the um, the list here. Jave is a guy, too, that uh, he is this new generation linebacker, long and lean and can really run. 6'4", 200 pounds, uh, out of A-Meet, and that's where they have uh, they have a lot of fun at A-Meet. they got a couple of festivals there every year. If you're, if you're in Louisiana, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody gets together and eat all the time. Les de Bonte Roulet. So here's what Javé Gilmore has working for him. He has at least 15 offers. Here are some of them. Mississippi State, Arkansas, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, LSU, Memphis, North Carolina, North Texas, Ole Miss, SMU, South Alabama, South Carolina, Southern University, and Virginia. 
That's your list. That's who that's who he claims offers from at this point. Now, he also has uh, recently dropped the top seven. And so I'm going to run those down for you just so you know. Maybe, you, maybe you're somewhat unfamiliar with that. Top seven, Louisiana Tech, Ole Miss, LSU, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Mississippi State, South Carolina. Now, I don't know if he could commit to LSU right now. Just don't know. Don't know how hard they're pushing him. He tells me that LSU, Georgia Tech, and Mississippi State are kind of the schools that have made him feel the most like a priority. So I see how things kind of progress with that. I fully expect him to announce for Mississippi State. Just don't know when it's going to be. We'll see. We'll see how things kind of progress there. But uh, I really like Jave. He fits. You know, Amy, Louisiana, you know, is close enough to Baton Rouge and Hammond and places like that that you can go shop and that sort of stuff. But, you know, it's it's kind of off the beaten path a little bit. That's exit 46 on 55 if you're, uh, if you're coming up from uh, Baton Rouge or going south to Baton Rouge. Got a really good racetrack there. Racetrack is a gas station. So for you travelers, if you travel that road as much as I have, you know every exit. But I really like him, long, rangy guy. He looks like what you'd expect, you know, maybe a defensive end to look like when you look at his length and his gait. But he runs better. And he's a guy that can get out and cover in space a little bit. So I'm eager to see what Matt Brock and Zach Arnett can do with him. I think that he is uh, he is one of those guys you look at, you know, and I think with his offer list, again, matches his tape. And, then, again, we go we talk about all this, and it's so funny to me. The only time that the criticisms, you know, come up is when we don't, you know, we don't get a kit. All right, well, this guy is nearly a four-star in a 247 composite at 89, and he has several Power 5 offers. And so that's a big get. And so let's celebrate that if and when it happens because that's a big get. In order for us to take the next step, if we talk about, you know, not only do we have to keep the best players at home, we've got to be able to supplement where the in-state class is somewhat thin. And when you look at this linebacker class, there are two big-time linebacker prospects in the state of Mississippi this year. Two. Khalid Moore, who's committed to Mississippi State. Stone Blanton, who we expect to commit to Mississippi State. J.D. Stewart's a guy that um, kind of fell from notoriety just a little bit. Still a good player. I just don't expect him to be at Mississippi State. No, he wanted to be, but he won't be. And then all of a sudden you go add Javay Gilmore and you start thinking, if those that, that three sticks together and signs, what an incredible linebacker class Mississippi State will put together. And, of course, you get all these other people out there saying, oh, you know, well, Zach Garnett, you know, he's going to be a head coach someday and he's going to leave and he's going to do that and he's going to do that. Zach Garnett's out there recruiting his tail off. I had a chance to speak to Zach on Friday. And we talked a little bit about, you know, a lot of that stuff that went on. You know, yeah, and Zach wasn't looking to leave. And people say, well, I don't understand that, Steve. You know, all he could say is no. But when you're a young coach trying to get your name out there, trying to get it in, in the discussion you know, because you want to stay relevant, and, of course, the best way to stay relevant is to, to coach good football. But, you know, you got to do some things sometimes to make your agent happy. And so, you know, I, I just talking to Zach, you know, in the, in the last couple months, I've just never felt like Zach was one of those guys that is a job hopper. I think he's very grateful to Mike Leach to have this opportunity. And I think when you look at what he did last year with a pretty thin secondary, 
gets remarkable to think about what he can do when the Bulldogs are at full strength. I can't wait to see us play defense. I mean, really. And then you start thinking about, look at the quality of linebackers that he's putting together right now, and it really bodes well for the future. So R.J. Moss is in. We fully expect Jave Gilmore to be in. And then we think that Stone Blanton will be in in about six weeks' time. And so when you start putting this thing together, you start realizing, okay, number one, we're running out of spots. you got 24 to work with because Jameer Calvin's going to count towards 2022. And so you start doing the math here and you start realizing, you know, we don't have an awful lot left to work with. And I think it's important to kind of fully, you know, expect that Mississippi State's going to have some ebb and flow with this secondary thing. you got 16 commitments right now, so you got eight spots to work with. You add Gilmore, obviously it takes you down to seven. You get Blanton down, you're down to a half dozen. You've got a couple more offensive linemen that you're trying to get. You know, Grayson Morgan could be one of those. You know, so spots are really getting tight. But, again, expect some ebb and flow with this defensive back situation. There will be some guys that are currently committed that won't be, and there will be some new guys that will pop up, and you're like, hey, well, why are we offering this guy? I thought we already had, you know, seven DBs committed. We're going to sign seven DBs in this class. But I fully expect us to trade some out here in the next couple of weeks. And it's not a situation where you say, well, Mississippi State's just being mean-spirited or whatever. You know, when you got guys that won't come to camp and compete, you got to make a decision. I mean, wouldn't you rather find out now you can't trust them than when it's fourth and goal on the one at Alabama? I'd rather find out now and get a guy in here that wants to be here. And, and not, you know, competition is part of the evaluation process. And I think some people lose sight of that. The evaluation process doesn't end when you accept an offer. The evaluation process ends when you graduate college and maybe you go to work somewhere else. You know, we're all going to be evaluated our entire life, but there are a lot of guys that commit and, and then kind of quit. And that's a very, very, very dangerous way to go about life. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You guys are well aware of these guys. Great residential development right here in Starkville. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If I was moving to Starkville now, this is where I would move. I live out in the sticks. I'm happy being out here. I got more land than I probably need. My dogs love it. But I tell you, I would, I would prefer to be a little bit closer to campus. And not just because of the fact that, um, you know, I'd like to save the drive. It's just that's where the activity is. But Portico is far enough away from the activity where you can have some privacy, but you also have the convenience of being 1.1 miles away from campus. How cool is that? You could run to campus if you're a runner. Go over there and run around the campus. Enjoy yourself. You can get two bedroom, two bath, up to four bedroom, four bath. Whether you're looking for a, you know, your primary residence or perhaps an investment property or, you know, a second home for yourself. Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog, great man. I love Brooks. Brooks and his family are just great people all the way around. Dad's over there in Philadelphia. You know, these are people that are committed to Mississippi. They're committed to Mississippi State. Brooks part of a great development group. With Portico, very easy to get to. You turn off of 82 on the 12, and you take the the very first right, which is Pat Station Road. You cross Old West Point Road, and there's Portico. I had a friend of mine recently hit me up and said, "You know what, Steve? We're thinking about retiring, moving to Starkville. Tell me again how to get to Portico. I'm happy to do it." But he did say, "Hey, don't sick Brooks Bryan on me just yet." <laughs> Brooks is a closer. Get that man some coffee. So if you have questions about Portico, and you should, because it is a great place to live, newest in construction, beautiful homes, check it out for yourself. Let me give you Brooks's number. 
he'll be happy to kind of guide you through this process if you need it. You know, get with Brooks and then maybe get with Blair. You can have the Boneyard uh, residential package there. So Brooks Bryan's phone number, and don't give this out, okay? This is just between us friends. Uh, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. How cool is that? All right, last segment of the show here. Let's get ready to kind of get out of here. A couple things. I want to hit some some hot point issues, and then we'll kind of move on with life. So I don't anticipate any other baseball transfers in. And that's not to suggest that I expect any more transfers out. You know, guys had until July 1st to announce and then be able to play this year. So I don't expect anything coming or going unless – you know, there's a grad transfer or so out there that can come in and compete right away, possibly as a you know left-handed pitcher or so. So as it stands right now, I think we can rest in the fact that Jess Davis and R.J. Yeager are probably the only transfers we add that will play this year. They're expected to be roommates too. A little bonus content for you there. So I know we have talked about this, and I know people have kind of wondered about the size of our class. It is a huge class coming in. And you got a lot of guys moving on, but of course we've got a good nucleus of guys returning. Now on Wednesday we're going to start previewing the season because now you know, now it's everybody's getting into fall camp, and so we kind of know you know what the, the classes that are reporting look like. We know you know maybe some guys maybe have transferred, and so there may be some ebb and flow with that. But we're going to start looking ahead at that. So Wednesday we'll take a full full dress down of Louisiana Tech. We've had some good games against them at Davis Wade Stadium. And I don't really like that. But we're going to break that down, talk a little bit about that on Wednesday. So as great as baseball has been, and we will still cherish that moment for the rest of our lives, we've got to start talking about a little football. And being around the coaching staff on Friday really got me excited because their exuberance is contagious. You know, they're excited about the year. They expect to have a really good year. You know, like last year, talking to those guys, you was kind of like, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm just ready to get back on the football field. You know, we didn't have spring practice and didn't have the benefit of, um, you know, the, the prospect camps. You know, of course, the players were on campus kind of working in their different, you know, workout pods and that sort of stuff. And it was just a different deal. And I think last year we looked at college football as just kind of a return to normalcy in many respects. I think we're just so grateful to have it. There really weren't any expectations. I think this year is much different. And I think our, our staff is ready to go. But being around those guys, you know, just talking to them. And, like, even Steve Spurrier said, hey, Steve, aren't you more of a baseball guy? And I kind of laughed at myself. And I said, you know, no, it's, it's pretty, pretty equal team baseball and football. It's just right now I'm still celebrating the fact that we won the College World Series. But as great as it's been, it's time for us to kind of turn the page a little bit and kind of get ready to finish this thing up there and get ready to go for football. It's like, it's like you look up and you realize – it's like five weeks from now we're going to be playing football, and we're going to have some college football before we even play. It just it almost feels weird. It feels like it should still be baseball season. You know, you have this elongated thing in Omaha that doesn't end until July 1st, and then we get basically the month of July to kind of get settled back in, and now here we are getting ready to roll. You guys are well aware, too, Mississippi State uh, men's basketball and women's basketball, they're getting ready to go, too, and, you know, the schedule's out for the men. A lot of discussion, too, about these transfers coming in. And I understand that guys are doing exceptionally well and that Rocket Watts is going to make a complete and full recovery. A bit of a surprise, I guess, for many people when 
you, know, you found out that he showed up and he had to have surgery. And listen, that's not in any way to you know, to say anything negative about other programs. But uh, the guy got here, had a pre-existing condition, had to be taken care of. It's done. Now he's on demand, and he's expected to be full go when we take the court. And so I think it's really going to be a good academic year for us. I really do. I think we'll be a solid ball team in football. I think we'll make the tournament on the, on the men's side, and we'll see what happens with the women. I do think the women will be better this year. I think they'll be a lot more prolific on the scoring end, and we'll see how things progress. Uh, I'm not ready to give up on that deal either. I know, listen, that, that has become a program of pride for Mississippi State folks, so we've gotten, gotten accustomed to winning. It's nice being able to go into every game expecting to win, and you're really surprised when you lose. And so that's why last year I think was so difficult for everybody. But it was a COVID year, and I think we all just, you know, we just didn't know what to expect. You know, you got a, a new coach coming in following a, a guy that took us to unprecedented heights, and now all of a sudden we're going to get to play him some with Texas joining the SEC here in uh, 2025. And I think baseball is going to be right back. I really do. I, I, if, you, if I had to call it today, yeah, I think we're an Omaha team. And then from there, it just kind of depends on the matchups. And how cool would it be to go to Omaha four years in a row? Think about that. We already hold the, the, the current longest active streak for Super Regionals. What if we went to Omaha four years in a row? And if we can stay healthy and if guys develop and gel the way we expect them to, I think we've got a really good chance to do just that. So a reminder to you guys that uh, are in central Mississippi, I will be signing books this Saturday. That's right, this Saturday at Lemuria Books from 2 to 3. Come out and say hello. Come spend some time with me. We can talk about baseball. I can, I can bring you up to date on what I'm doing with the new book. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But it's this Saturday, Lemuria Books in Jackson, Mississippi from 2 to 3. They've got all four of my books there, and they'll have the fifth one too. And I'm very grateful to John Evans and Lemuria Books for all they've done to support me. Uh, all these years. If you are looking to get books and uh, you can't find them at your local bookstore, you can get them at Turn Row at Greenwood. There are signed copies there. You get them at Bookmart and Cafe uh, downtown. There are signed copies there. Campus Bookmart has some. The Lodge has some. But also, too, you can go to alphadogsthebook.com and get whatever you'd like. You can order Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and get them personalized for somebody's birthday, for somebody's birth, their anniversary. Uh, for Labor Day, whatever you want to celebrate, Amerigo Vespucci Day, whatever it is, I, I won't judge what you celebrate, but if you'd like to present a gift, we're happy to work with you there. Again, that's alphadogsabook.com where you can pre-order, where you can order all of those, uh, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains, and Flim Flam. If you want Blooms of Oleander, you're going to have to either buy it on Amazon or from a local bookstore. And I want to share with you guys too, we're going to have the pre-order link. We're finalizing the cover for Dogpile right now. That's the new book about Mississippi State season. I talked about that earlier in the show. So give me a few days and you'll be able to pre-order. Now what that'll guarantee is that you get a book before Christmas and it'll be a signed copy. I'll personalize it however you like. Because here's what's going to happen. And we're already we're already hearing from bookstores now that say, hey, we, we want to get you know several copies because we know the demand that is going to be for this book. And so if you pre-order, you won't have to worry about that aspect of it. You pre-order, that's going to be added to the order for all the bookstores and then what the publisher inventories. Because this publisher you know, keeps books in an inventory somewhere. So they're on a shelf somewhere kind of waiting to be shipped either to you or to a bookstore. So let me encourage you to pre-order. And I'll share that with you guys as soon as we can. Again, that's Dogpile. Uh, the, the, the incredible story of the 2021 Mississippi State National Championship baseball season. Cannot wait for you guys to read that. I'm working really hard on this. To be honest with you, I'm not doing much else. 
working on my jeans page stuff, working on the new book. And uh, very, very excited about all this and so appreciative of your support. So, again, on Wednesday, we'll start talking a lot of football. And I'll do my, all my research here in the next couple of days so we're not just up here, you know, just kind of talking about Louisiana Tech. Well, I'll, I'll have some information, some intel for you and some insight that perhaps you don't get anywhere else. And so if you're not a Jeans Paid subscriber, let me encourage you to do, the, go, do so. Go over there and subscribe today. And you can keep up with me and Paul Jones on the recruiting aspect of things because I really think we're about to enter, you know, official visits again. And nobody else covers that. It's going to be us. And so come by, check us out. And we'll, we have updates every single day about what's going on with Mississippi State uh, football recruiting. It's a lot of fun. And it's fun when we're winning. And it's fun when we're recruiting well. And it's one of those things where, you know, when you put that Mississippi State shirt on, you want to walk around and not anybody have any pot shots to, to say. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's nothing they can say critical about Mississippi State. It's amazing what a NAFL championship has done to our fan base. And so I hope we can do some more. I hope we can go win some more because this feeling is incredible. This is the feeling that I've been looking for my whole life. And so we've won it. Now we can celebrate it. And my, my belief is, is that that is going to kind of carry over to other sports. I think if you're a coach on the Mississippi State campus right now, you can say, you know what, we can do that too. We can do that too. And I think it helps recruit in all aspects because you know what, we've proven that this little school over here in Starkville, Mississippi is good enough and doggone it, people like us. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.